Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in to City Church. We're so excited that you're here this morning. I just want to start off with a question to kind of get you thinking. How much do you like change? Do you like change at all? Do you like to change things? Do you like it when things change? Does that excite you or do you kind of get stuck with the way things were? Well, I can tell you for myself, I don't like change a whole lot of times, especially the change in something that I really enjoy. So Snapple, Snapple had this product back in the day that was called Orange Raid. And what it was, was there, it was like their kiwi, you know, they had the kiwi strawberry, but this was an orange one, and all the pulp would sit on the bottom, and you'd shake that thing up, and it was amazing. I kid you not, like, I probably had five of them a week, if not more, and it was never hard to find. They always had orange raid in stock, stock shelves at all the um, quick shops, and and so I drank so many orange raids, and then Snapple just decides to completely take it off the menu. So they stopped putting it in the stores. I even called the company that was doing the distributing, seeing, can I get a pallet of orange raid before you guys, you know, get rid of it all? Like, no, we're getting rid of it all. It's already gone. We're done with it. And Snapple just completely changes the entire system on me. Have you ever had that happen with, with a restaurant? There's a certain dish that you really love, or maybe it's a certain restaurant, and then they just completely like change up the entire menu, change the name of it. New logo means we're getting rid of everything that you liked. <laughs> that happens a lot. We don't like change, do we? Especially when it, when it comes to something that we're really passionate about or something that we really like. We don't like it when things get changed up on us. But today I want to talk to you about change, and not necessarily a food or a restaurant or Snapple. You're like, Neil, who cares about Snapple? I want to talk to you about a life change. A life change. Life changes are tough, aren't they? To actually change something. Have you ever heard that it takes 21 days to implement a change? And there's so many New Year's resolutions, and you put them in the practice, and you make it about five days, and you're like, you know what? I can't eat meat only. I got to have Doritos at some point in time. You know, change is hard, isn't it? Behavior change and life change, it's tough. Last week, I gave a sermon called, We Don't Live in the Past. And this was this uh, amazing moment that I had with the Lord as I'm watching the show Shark Tank. And this guy, this entrepreneur, was giving his pitch to the sharks. And Mark Cuban stopped him as he was complaining about his business failing and, and their, um, the, what had happened to them. Mark says, yeah, that's fine. I get what you're saying. But we don't live in the past, right? And in that moment, I just really felt the Lord say, Neil, we don't live in the past. And so I've literally wrote that all over. Anywhere that I see, uh, I remind myself of it. It's been a life transformation change for me. We don't live in the past. It's just something that's just stuck with me. And, and I believe it sticks with all of us. Because it's really hard not to live in the past. But if we keep doing the same things over and over and we keep the same behaviors, there's a really good chance that we will just keep repeating the past. We'll just keep doing the same exact stuff over and over. 
So some past behaviors that, that bring up some things that are like, man, I don't want to live in this anymore. You know, so sharing so much with people that you don't know anything about them, where you open up your heart and you open up your life and you're just sharing your entire life with somebody, but they've never shared anything with you. This is a past behavior that you find yourself hurt a lot of times. A past behavior of trusting people that they have the best intention of your time and your energy and and, and your life. That you put your hope and your trust in them and then you find yourself like, man, I am spent. I am running ragged. Or a past behavior of Spending all your finances and fun and entertainment. And here comes Monday morning and you're broke. (laughs) You know, that's a past behavior. We find ourselves, man, I just keep reliving the past. Or not talking to anybody and then say, nobody talks to me. Well, (laughs) you're going to keep repeating the past, don't you? Unless you open up with somebody. Or talking in a really loud and stern voice to everyone around you and then saying, oh, people think that I'm yelling at them. Well, you kind of are. <laughs> but you find yourself just reliving these past things, these past behaviors. And one for me, you know, a big one for me and all those other ones apply too. But a big one for me is leaving my clothes on the floor and then not expecting my wife not to throw my shoe at me. You know, this is, this is a past behavior I find myself in quite often where she's like, Neil, I said, pick up your shoes. So we don't live in the past. This is such a true statement, and there's so much truth in that, and it's powerful, and that's something that we can implement. We don't live in the past, so why repeat it? Why do we repeat the past over and over again? And we find ourselves like, man, I'm powering through this really hard season. I'm powering through this tough time. Wow, life's a mess once again. We don't live in the past, so why do we repeat it? Why do we repeat it? This is Paul's message to the church. As we're in the book of Romans, as we, as we studied last week, Paul's message to the church of, we don't live in the past. All of us have a past. But it doesn't end there, does it? Paul teaches us that we can actually live in the future and create behaviors in our life, that we can live the best life possible that Jesus has for us. God's desired life for our life. His plans, his hopes, his dreams for our life. That we're not always picking up the pieces of life and trying to put it all back together, but we can actually set some behaviors into practice, into motion, that we don't have to live in the past anymore, and we don't repeat the same mistakes over and over again. Isn't that freedom? Isn't that what we need? So I want us to look at Romans. We're going to be looking at Romans 3. Uh, 3, 5 through 8, and I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump right into this. God, we thank you so much for your plans today, that um, each one of us, each and every one of us, that there's mercy for our lives right now, your mercies are new every single day, and that we truly don't have to live in our past this morning, that we can find this new freedom and this new mercy, and so Lord, I just pray that you would open our hearts to change this morning. 
that the words that come out of my mouth, that they would bring edification to, to your body, to each one of us, exactly where we're at, that you would speak directly to our hearts. Lord, I just choose to just um, turn this service over to you, turn this entire message over to you, Lord. Would you be glorified in it? Would you speak directly through me to people that are listening? And Lord, would you just change things in my heart too, the, the things, the areas that you want to change, Lord, would you just highlight those and, and keep drawing me closer to you? Lord, we truly don't want to live in our past, and so, um, Lord, would you just give us perspective and hope for a new future this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Romans 3, 5. This is a, I'm going to back up just real quick. So Paul talks to the church about God's faithfulness at the beginning of this chapter. And he, he says that God is faithful even when we're not faithful. That like our religious duties that, that they would actually struggle with in, in Rome with the church, what they were doing is they were struggling with like religion versus relationship. And so Paul teaches like it's not about your religion. It's not about the things that you are. It's not about your upbringing. It's not about your parents. It's not about all the good things that you've done, the, how many times you read the Bible. What it's actually about is God is just going to be faithful because he's God. And even when we're unfaithful, even when we don't follow his plans, he's still faithful to us and so this is Paul's message of encouragement to the church and then he goes on to say out of God's faithfulness he goes on to say in verse 5 he says this but if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly what shall we say that God is unjust and bringing wrath on us I am using a human argument so Paul I'm going to break this down verse by verse and we're going to like kind of end on uh, verse 8. But what Paul says is if our unrighteousness actually brings out God's righteousness, so in, in other words, like our mistakes and the things that we still struggle with in, in human mankind, in mankind how we struggle, the things that, that actually bring us away from God and make us feel distant, the things that we do that, that feel gross, our unrighteousness, the, the things that we struggle with on an ongoing basis, if those bring out God's righteousness, then then what, God, then what Paul's saying is that we would actually be inviting God to be judging himself. So that if, if God brings our righteousness, because Jesus is the right one, he is righteousness, he is wrapped up in righteousness, and he died on the cross for each one of us. But what Paul says is, it, in our unrighteousness, if we're just saying, you know what, I'm just going to trust in my unrighteousness, and so God's going to ultimately just judge himself, so I can just keep being unrighteous. I can keep just being a mess. I can keep just making tons of mistakes, because in my unrighteousness, God is actually righteous. And what's God going to do? Judge himself? So Paul makes it really clear that we have a role in this. This is, this is him bringing the church in on, hey, you don't live in the past, so quit reliving it. You can, you can actually have a role in what God wants to do. And then he goes on to say this in verse 6. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue. If a false, falsehood enhances God's trustfulness, and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? So Paul answers his own question. If, if our unrighteousness just continues God's righteousness, 
then like God's going to just ultimately judge himself. And he says, certainly not. That's not the way. That's not the answer to keep being unrighteous, to keep being a mess, to keep being full of mistakes and just like, you know what, I'm just going to turn my back on God because God has completely given us his righteousness. And so I can just continue to live this life that is just completely a mess and totally unrighteous. But there's a role in this, isn't there? And you hear this all throughout Paul's letters, that, that there's a role in God's righteousness and then in our righteousness as we become more and more like Jesus, because that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? To be drawn closer to God so we become more and more like him, that our heart starts to change from selfishness to selfless, that we become servants of God, servants of the Most High God, that we hand our lives over to Christ, and our righteousness comes from that. And then our life starts to change. We are no longer just found unrighteous and a mess and full of mistakes and always trying to pick up the pieces. We're actually found as righteous and we become holy like God. This is the ultimate goal. This is what Paul invites the church in on. But then he goes on to say this, and this is where I want to stick to. uh, Verse 8. So why not say... As we are being slanderously reported as saying, as some claim we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is just. And this is the part that I want to stick to. This is the the verse that I I would really love for us to dive dive into. Because I think this is why grace is so confusing. It's really complicated, isn't it? Grace is so complicated. So Paul says, why don't we say like, hey, if I just keep doing evil, then like God's glory is constantly shown through my life and full of mistakes and I'm picking up the pieces and looking how God has raised me up once again. And then tomorrow I'm going to go and do the same exact thing because then God is glorified once again. And so what he's preaching to is he's preaching to a bunch of religious people that are like, there's no... um, There's no grace. You can earn your salvation. You can earn your way to God by being good enough. And this is why grace, it's complicated. Because Paul's trying to bring them in on there is grace. And so people were actually saying that his church, the the church in Rome, they were just just like partying it up and living a life that was totally not righteous. They were living this totally different life, but God's grace just covers them. So keep, keep doing what you're doing. In the Christian walk, there's, there's this role that we have that we're constantly being renewed through the Spirit, and we are changing. There's a change that happens. There's a shift that happens. What grace does is it completes that shift. So when we fall, we get back up because of God's grace and mercy, and then we keep going forward in Him. This is who Paul is speaking to. He's speaking to Christians, but he's also bringing them in on, hey, from an outside perspective, I want you to know that what people are seeing, they're seeing a church, a group of people that are living this life, and they're actually condemning us because we are living in God's grace. What that means is like, we're not kicking people out. We're not frustrated with people because of their mistakes. We're actually inviting the broken and the hurting in to what God has for us because of the cross. But from an outside perspective, it's like they don't have their lives together. 
So what Paul teaches is we don't have to live in the past. So let's not repeat it. That we learn from our mistakes and then we grow out of that. We, we make changes in life. We make behavior changes. We make heart shifts. We, we create this, this identity that's in Jesus that we're surrendering our lives over to him that we don't live in the past and so we stop reliving the same exact mistakes over and over and over and over again. And then when we do fall, we have the grace of God that picks us back up and brings us back to his heart. This is Paul's message to the church. That we can live righteous. We don't have to sin so grace can abound. We can actually like move forward beyond our mistakes so that grace can abound. Because grace is just going to abound. Grace is going to continue over and over again. And I think that's what's so difficult with grace. is because it doesn't run out. It doesn't dry up. It doesn't give up on us. But there's a difference in just using God's grace over and over and over again and, comp- and, and then doing the same exact stuff over and over again. Like waking up in the morning and living for myself every single day and then going, God, man, I made so many mistakes and I hurt so many people today, but thank God there's tomorrow. And we just keep doing that over and over again. And that's what's so confusing with grace. Because the truth of the matter is, is Jesus will forgive us. <laughs> it's so cool. That's so amazing. But there's this time that we actually change, our hearts change, our lives change, and we become more and more like Jesus. That's the ultimate goal. The goal isn't to use all the grace we can ever find. The goal is to become more like Christ. And so I just want to share three things from a pastor's heart today. Three things that I've noticed. I've been pastoring people for the last 15 years, 20 years. And I I just noticed some of these things that are just, and these are things that I currently struggle with too and have struggled with in the past. That we don't live in the past, so let's not relive it. Let's not relive the past. And the first thing that I I find a lot of people living in the past is is a behavior that that never ceases to change. I'm going to give you the way that you can change this, but it's a behavior that never ceases to change. and, And that's your relationship with money. Your relationship with, with your finances. You constantly are just blowing money to entertain yourself and, and to try to get ahead. And, and like it's a struggle. It's a stressor. You get in debt, tons and tons and tons of debt. There was this amazing book that was sold. Uh, it, I don't know. Saturday Night Live had it. And it was one page, and it said this. It said, if I don't have money for it, then I don't buy it. And that was, that was the book, and it was like, I don't know if it's on Amazon right now, if you want to look into that, but it, it's this relationship with money of like wanting more and more and more, and so we find ourselves in debt, and then what happens with debt, it's this behavior of stress and, and feeling like, Man, I don't know when I'm going to ever get out of this. There's two things that you can have with money. There's two relationships. You can have a relationship with money where you're serving it. You become a slave to debt. And there's another relationship you can have with money where it's serving the kingdom of God. And this is the relationship that that you want with, with finances. God entrusts us with money. 
He entrusts you with it. He gives it to you. He opened up the door for you to have it. And so you can have this opportunity with money where you're actually like letting it serve the kingdom of God. This is where you want to be. In Malachi 3.10, this is something that will bring total freedom to that relationship with, with your finances. If you find yourself, man, I just keep repeating the same thing over and over again. Malachi 3.10 says this. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So tithe, I just want to be really clear on that. That's 10%. That's 10% of your income. So bring your whole tithe, 10% of your income, into the storehouse. Into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. So tithe to your local church. Just to be really clear on this, this is, what, this is what it's teaching, is tithe to your local church so that there can be food in my house, so that the life transformations that happen in the local church actually happen through people tithing. And so God invites us to bring the tithe into the storehouse, and then he says this, like, check this out. Like, it's funny how many promises are in the Bible, and sometimes we just overlook them because our heart doesn't want to change. And so I, I just invite you to really look at this passage. He says this, it says, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be room, that there will not be room enough to store it. So it, it'll be such a powerful testimony of your life when you step into tithing that God's going to open up the floodgates of heaven because he has endless supplies of finances to take care of you. He promises to take care of us. And he has an endless supply of that. He's not running low. But he says, tithe and then test me in this. Like, check this out. If you do this, test me. Like, look what I'm going to do. And so I invite you to take hold of that promise right now. Like, take hold of that promise. Like, put this into practice. It will completely give you freedom over your finances. I can't tell you how many people I know have freedom over their finances where God has came through. And I'm not talking like little increment differences sometimes. Sometimes it's just like this outpouring of God's blessing in finances. Because if you can be trusted with little, he will trust you with a lot. I'm not saying that always happens by any means. God picks and chooses what he's going to do. He's God. Our role in that is to trust him in this and then test him in this. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and tithe, and that's 10%. You know, I waited tables for uh, three years of my life, and I can tell you this. <laughs> if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, listen to me. Like, tune in right now, please. You're, you're, you could save so many Christians. I was a Christian around a bunch of people that were not you know the worst tippers in all of table waiting are always Christian groups. They want the most. They want, they want water and chips and salsa, free stuff, and then they give us like 75 cents with a track. Don't ever do that again. Okay, if you've done that in the past, stop it. <laughs> Please, you're killing us. We were trying to like make an influence and and all it would do, and I, I figured it out, though, the other day, is the reason that Christians tip so bad is because I don't believe that we know what 10% is. 
We just might not know what 10% is. And so 10% of 100 is 10. You know, the, <laughs> I love how, like, all of a sudden, when it comes to tips or tithing, all of a sudden, like, sixth grade math just goes out the window. And so this is what God invites us to. I'm not saying, you know, something elaborate. If you want to give something elaborate beyond 10%, great. But what God invites us into is test me in tithing. Test me in tithing. That's what he invites us into. I'm going to stick here for one second because I was praying about this and, and I realized something because this is something that's kind of went to the wayside in a lot of churches that we don't teach on this. I rarely teach on tithing. I should teach more on it. But one thing that I realized was this is it's kind of a wish you know, people look at it as, as, as a wish. At South Park Mall in Moline, my grandpa would take me there as a little kid, and he would take me to Hardee's. And um, we would walk down to Yonkers, had this big fountain, this huge fountain. And so after we hit the toy store, because he let me get a $5 toy, and we'd make it down to Yonkers, and you look in the big fountain, and there's a bunch of quarters and nickels, but mostly pennies, right? Mostly pennies. So, you know, my grandpa had one of those coin purses. Remember the coin purses? He had a coin purse, and he opened up the coin purse, and he'd give me a couple of pennies and maybe a nickel, a quarter. And what I'd do with it is, as a little kid, I knew I was supposed to make a wish. Like, I wish I get that RC car from KB Toy Store, you know? whatever my wish was for that day. And we kind of look at tithing that way too. And so it's like, well, geez, 10%, that's, that's like a big wish. I don't know if I could do that. It would look foolish to take $900 and go and throw it in the fountain down the street here in downtown Davenport, wouldn't it? to take $900 bills and throw it out there and be like, well, God, I, I'm wishing for, for you to come through and to take care of my needs. It would, it would seem really foolish. It seems like it makes more sense, you know, to take a dollar coin, maybe five bucks, 20 bucks, whatever, you know, whatever that is. I'm not going to dare, like, put a good amount of money. And the reason is, is because we're looking at this passage, we're looking at God's promises as a wish and not a promise. Those are two totally different things. A wish is something that we're wishing will happen. A promise is something that God says, test me in this because this is who I am because I'm God and I'm going to come through. That's a totally different scenario. I don't wish for miracles to happen, I count on them. Because God promises things in his word. And so what that looks like is it looks like me going, God, I'm going to choose to trust you with my finances. This isn't some dream. This isn't some wish that I'm hoping you come through. I'm taking you at your word because you're a God of promise. You haven't broken your promise yet, and you're not going to break it in the future. You're not going to start with me breaking promises. So I'm going to trust you. This will completely radically transform your relationship with your finances. You will be okay with less sometimes. You'll have this, you'll this, you'll have this, uh, that desire of wanting more and more and more. 
man, God does work on your heart in that. This is one area that I see so many people complaining about being broke, but they haven't tithed. This will radically transform that. We don't live in the past, so let's not relive it. This is a great way that you can change. The other way is uh, relationships, the second one. When getting into a new relationship, use good judgment. Ask good, solid people what they think of the relationship, what they think of the person that you're starting to date. Move slow. Move slow with people in relationships. So many times we're like trying to fix these broken, broken relationships and coming in so hurting and and coming back to God after we put all of our trust in him or her. Move slow in a relationship. Ask some really good questions to not relive the past. Is he using me? Is she using me? Am I okay with that? John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. I think this is a great passage as we look at relationships. Maybe you've had some really broken relationships in the past. It's like, I don't want to live in the past anymore. Awesome. Let's not relive it in the next relationship. Do I really love this person? Wait a little while before you use the word love. Wait a while, like, would I lay down my life for them, and would they lay down their life for me? Before we're jumping into all these relationships and, and all this buy-in together, wait a little bit. Is this somebody that God has in my life? Would I truly lay down my life for them? Do I really love them? We don't live in the past, so let's not relive that. Let's not relive that. Let's give relationships some time to breathe, figure things out. The last one is this, is we don't live in the past, so let's not relive using all of our time. We have a certain amount of time. Just as God trusts us, entrusts us with money, he entrusts you with time. He gives you time in your life. And I don't know about you, but it's been a real realization that Sometimes our time is really short. And so we don't live in the past, so let's not relive filling up our plate full of all these things that we're burned out, we're stressed out, we're at a max, we're, <laughs> we're drinking eight coffees a day because we're running ragged all over the town and trying to, trying to accomplish all these things that everybody's got on our plate. Let's look at our time. Let's not relive last summer this summer. Let's not relive last winter. Let's look at our time and, and make time for Sabbath. Make time to set back and, and read God's word and, and join in a community of believers and be encouraged. Let's not relive a full plate of time that we don't have any time for the good stuff in our life. We completely miss it. John 17, 4 says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. So God has entrusted us with time, and he's given us purpose and meaning. Let's not let our plate be so full that we're just completely missing what God has right in front of us. 
Take a Sabbath. Take a, take a rest. Take some time. Spend with the Lord. Use your time wisely. We don't live in the past, so let's not relive it. This is my message to you, and this, those are three things just from my heart that I just, I just see so many people. I see so many people feeling financially stressed out because of debt and feeling broke at all times. I see so many people as a pastor who put all their eggs in the basket of a new relationship, and then they come they have this moment where it doesn't work out and then we're broken all over again and then we're doing it once again and once again and just keep doing it over and over again. And I see so many people, especially families, that were just running ragged trying to, trying to accomplish everything that everybody tells us we have to do as a parent. Let's not relive our past. Let's put boundaries in place on our finances, on our relationships, on our time. You can do that this morning. And I'm not saying this is something religious that you can accomplish. You can do this. You know, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the Holy Spirit's guidance in what God does is he fills us with power of the power of his presence and he gives us a sound mind and he heals our hearts so that we're ready for what he has in store. That Holy Spirit through us can do these things. That we won't relive the past. So whether it was one of those three things or maybe it's something else. And another one that I just, I see so many times people falling back into addictions. And it's not because you're going to pull yourself up. You're not going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make this big gigantic change. It's the Holy Spirit within you that will actually fill your heart, that desire, that hole in your heart that you're trying to fill with addictions that he will actually do that. And so this is my prayer for you. Don't live in the past, because we don't live in the past. So not, let's not relive it anymore. Let's make changes in our behavior, in our life, and put boundaries in place that protect our finances, our relationships, our time. And you can do that this morning with the Holy Spirit's help. So I'd love to just close out with a prayer. So would you pray with me? Lord, we just thank you so much that this is, this is your word, this is truth. And so, Lord, I just pray that, um, number one, that any guilt from our past would just be removed right now. I thank you, Jesus, for your, your grace that covers anything from our past, anything from our past mistakes. I thank you that we don't have to live there anymore. Today is a brand new day. And Lord, I also pray for wisdom. Holy Spirit, would you just give everybody that's listening to this just so much wisdom, insight in their life, in their mind, in their heart of not reliving the past, the things that, that, have, um, that have brought them away from you, the things that, that they struggle, struggled with in the past, that Lord, we could actually have wisdom and insight right now that we wouldn't relive that, those traps that tried to get us, the the things that um, tell us that we need to want, we need to have more. We need to have more of uh, uh, stuff in our life or more things to do. Any of those traps, Lord, would you give us wisdom that when they come up, we would be able to just like identify them as, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that again. I'm not going backwards. I'm going forward. And Lord, I just thank you for the hope and the plans in your desired 
plans for our future right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, I just bless each and every single one of us with the plans that you have for our future. Yeah. Thank you that you have covered our past and we can live in the present and we can look forward to the future of what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And we're always excited to see you online. We'd love to see you in person if you can make it to City Church. We have a 9 o'clock and a 1030 service. And so we would just love to see you in person any, any Sunday that you can make it. Be blessed. Have an awesome, awesome week. And uh, love to see you next week.